the labor market. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's focused on it, particularly those policymakers at the Federal Reserve who use or claim to use the labor market data as their primary guide, guiding their monetary policies to what they hope is a Goldilocks soft landing. Now, quite a few people disagree with that scenario, including basically the largest, deepest, most sophisticated markets in human history, which are betting on something else. But we have, of course, today is Friday, so that means it's first Friday of the month, which means payroll. We've got the major labor market data. And for yet another month, we have a difference. We have a dichotomy. We're stuck trying to piece together what's going on in the labor market because some of the labor data is doing one thing and the rest of the labor data is doing quite something different, very, very different. And joining me as usual, my good friend Steve Van Meter, we're going to talk about payrolls as well as, I think more importantly, the implications in terms of the markets, monetary policies, as well as the real economy, because this isn't just about finance and money. It's about people are People are likely to get laid off and lose their jobs here. The economy is likely to go lower. And this data, the labor market data, right, Steve? There's enough here that suggests not, that's, it's not as good as everybody thinks. Let's start there, right? Yeah, I mean, but let's talk about the headline number, Jeff, because it was 263,000. I mean, that's not shabby. I mean, you got to look at that and say, well, that means the labor market's still hot. Fed has to really grind in some more hikes to really bring that down. And yet we have to assume that Powell knew or at least had a somewhat idea of what this number was going to be before his recent speech. And yet he was a little dovish about, you know, hey, maybe we need to slow the pace. So, Jeff, I'm kind of wondering if maybe we're getting down to the point, at least from the headline non-farm payroll, where Powell's saying, hey, you know what, I, I don't really want to drive this down too much more because not too long ago, a couple of congressmen from the Senate Banking Committee told him in no uncertain terms, he better not screw up the jobs market. So I'm kind of wondering if, if that's a motivation, but um, go through the numbers with us and tell us what you're seeing, because when we dig under the covers, uh, that 263 is not that great. Well, I'm going to do the same thing to you just to me. Let's, let's talk about the 263. Maybe Powell knows. I mean, look, He's a Fed official, so he's very well acquainted with statistics because that's basically what economists do. Even though Powell's a lawyer, he's been around economists for a long time. And we know, we've talked about this many times before, that 263, that's sort of a suspect number to begin with. And even at 263, if uh, you see it in the, in the context of the establishment survey data, it's kind of slowing down. 263 after last month's revision is the slowest in over a year. So even the establishment survey is saying material slowdown in the labor market. Now, where it's open to interpretation, I think, and I think you agree with me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that 263, which is at the lower end of the statistical range, it's more important. There's two things here. One is that it's slowed down material from earlier in the year and that it's continuing along this lower end of the statistical range, which suggests, like some of the other surveys, not 263, just that it's at the lower end of the range, whatever that range may be. Right, Jeff. And I think what it doesn't also account for, and I know you'll agree with this, is the fact that hours work dipped down a little bit. And if you factor that into actual number of jobs, that chops off quite a few. 
We also know that BLS likes to make up some self-employed jobs, and they threw that in there. And if you start accounting for what's going on here, you kind of actually have the case that this report was really bad in terms of what we wanted. And then even under the covers, what did we see? A ton of leisure and hospitality jobs. And you know, you think about, okay, the time of year that we're in, does it make sense that those are the kind of jobs that we should see being created in the economy? We should. Now, are those going to be long-term permanent jobs? Are they going to turn into full-time jobs? Well, we don't know for sure because we don't know where the economy exactly is headed. We could guess, though. But my hunch is somewhere around mid-January, thereabouts, what we're going to find out is a lot of these part-time workers aren't needed anymore. Yeah, I look at it the same way. When you look at the overall context of the labor market report, starting with the 263 that everybody's focused on, 263 is not a good number for the establishment survey. As again, it's down and it's at the lower end of the range. That's enough. But so let's let's look at the other part of the data, which is, I mean, the BLS helpfully puts together a complete other survey of all sorts of, of statistical details to help us. Hey, if we've got questions about the one, let's look at the other one to see if we can put these two together. So the household survey, the current population survey, which is where the unemployment rate actually comes from. And really more of the, the details that we use, uh, including hours work comes from the, the population survey, not the establishment survey. As you said, Steve, right off the bat, hours worked, at least on a seasonally adjusted basis, actually ticked lower in uh, November not by a lot, but the fact that it went lower, that's not a good sign, nor is it because it was consistent with the household survey level of employment, which actually declined too. It was down 138,000 in November alone. And that's not the first time. We've seen that happen more frequently, which has left us look scratching our heads a little bit because now we're looking at the household survey going back to March when all of this stuff started we had a huge spike in oil prices. The economy seemed to start to, to hit a wall. Ever since then, the establishment survey has slowed down a little bit, but not all that much, whereas the household survey has come to a grinding halt. So rather than one survey corroborate the other, we've got what looks to be almost two different pictures of the labor market. Since March, the establishment survey is up 2.7 million, which that's pretty good in any other year except for the last couple, but still 2.7 million. In that same time frame, the household survey basically unchanged. It's up 12,000. So zero job growth, which is actually a contraction because over the same time, the civilian population has grown by a million three. So the household survey says a million three people entered the labor market and didn't get a job. Whereas the establishment survey said a million three people entered the labor market and they all got a job and a million and a million four beyond them. What, what is going on here? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't normally see these big divergences. I mean, you expect them to be divergent from time to time. You, we, we don't expect to see both of these data points always going in sync. But when one is breaking from the other, we, Jeff, I mean, that's what we're trying to answer the question is, which one is right? Because if the household survey is right, then at some point in the months to come, the headline survey is going to come crumbling down. And that's not what Powell is expecting to see, particularly we know in two weeks, he's got the next FOMC press conference. And if, the, if he does hike, and we believe that at least the data says he will, and we see this thing fall off the cliff, say, in January, well, that's going to be a big problem because it's going to say that, hey, they got this wrong again. 
Again, that's right. And that's, you know, I think it, it is more common than maybe we, we let on here is that uh, divergences in these uh, labor market series. You're right. They do in the short run, they do. They don't always match up. The household survey is not statistically smooth in the same way the establishment survey is. And so in the very short run period, you can't look at the both of them and say they're comparable. But this goes back to, to March. And I know you, you know this and talked about this before. So we've now got how many months is that? So November, October, September, August, July, June, um, May, April. So that's eight months of data, eight months of data. That's no longer the short run. It's no longer likely statistical fluctuation or some other kind of random explanation. Instead, we're looking at eight months where the establishment survey says things look pretty decent, solid, at best, slow down a little bit. Whereas the household survey says, this is a recession, folks. It's, it's, it could not be more different. We have almost a binary outcome where the one data looks like what Jay Powell wants it to look like, and the other data looks like what nobody wants it to look like. And here's the thing. I think you were kind of hinting at this when you were talking about Powell's speech. Maybe it was the politics. Maybe some of the Congress people knocking on his door saying, don't screw this up. But I wonder if Having gone through this in the 2007, the year 2007, where the establishment survey looked pretty good, the household survey said, nope, this is recession. I wonder if they're a little bit gun shy here. I, know, I mean, you know that they know about this, the, the two different. It's not like they're looking at only the one or the other. I wonder if maybe they've looked at the differences in the surveys and said, maybe we can't rely on the establishment survey for rate hike. Maybe we need to take more consideration in the other stuff. Yeah, it, that could be, Jeff. I mean, we don't really know because, well, they really don't tell us. So we have no idea. But perhaps another factor here that I'd like to put on the table, and I don't know if you'll agree with me with this on this one or not, but we know the FOMC is a board and they have people that vote about policy. But there is one important thing. What the Fed chair wants, the Fed chair usually gets. The problem is the Fed chair doesn't want to stand alone. So if he's out saying we need to hike, 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 and all the other members are saying, well, we're going to dissent a bit, that doesn't look good. Because in the end of the day, if this whole thing blows up, and I'll say if because we know it probably will, at some point, Powell's going to be drug in front of Congress, and he's going to have to explain what he did and what his board did. So if he has enough people pushing back on him saying, hey, you know what, maybe we need to back off, he has to protect himself and kind of go with the masses because when he's in front of Congress, he's going to say, well, they agreed with me. So it wasn't just me. It was the whole group. And so I think there's a little CYA going on here uh, as well. I was just going to say, are you, are you saying the bureaucrats and the bureaucracy is set up to cover its own butt? <laughs> no, that's no government bureaucracy has ever done that. But you're, no, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. Because having, being a very boring human, I've spent a lot of time reading through transcripts and that is how it goes. Uh, most of the policymakers, the majority of policymakers are empty suits. They just recite talking points that their staff put together. So there's really three or more, three or four maybe influential policymakers, including the Federal Reserve Chairman. And if those other three are saying one thing and the chairman's saying another thing, doesn't matter that he's the chairman or not. It's I, you, because the rest of the committee is going to go along with what they think of the, the majority opinion of these three or four influential people is. And so figuring out who those are, I mean, that's 
you know, we're, we're into a game of psychology and trying to, to, to uh, predict politics, which is never especially helpful, which is why we're trying to back off of that and really think about it in terms of the economy, which history suggests when you see eight months of the household survey do this, including full-time jobs, even though full-time jobs increased in November, according to the household survey, that's just the monthly fluctuation. They're still, re they're still substantially less than they were back in March. So the labor market, it looks to be very recession, maybe not the actual recession, but in that pre-recession state, regardless of how policymakers or the Fed interpret it, the consequences and implications are not just about what the Fed does with rate hikes. Right. That's right, Jeff, because we can also look at the weekly unemployment claims. They're still relatively low here now. We know that the continuing claims just are quietly ticking a little higher, which doesn't, you know, on the offset here, it doesn't make a lot of sense because Joel's survey says there's gazillions of jobs out there. It's a holiday season. Well, certainly there's got to be jobs out there. Why aren't these people able to get back in the workforce and get back very quickly? Maybe those aren't the jobs they want. I think that may be the, the bigger factor here. But as long as we would want to watch that weekly unemployment claim, if we start to see that realistically spiking higher, now we know there's a problem. I, I think through the holiday season, it's going to manage to stay relatively low. Again, kind of early next year for me, we will start to see this change. That's where we'll really find out. Is the household survey right? Which I'll, I'll go ahead and put you know my name on that pile. A headline survey will probably be wrong, but it won't matter because Powell will somehow talk himself around and say, but look, I was just following the data. They're always data dependent, right? And that okay, that's the last part of the uh, payroll report I want to go over, which is the labor force itself. And that's part of the household survey, the current population statistics, which uh, in the month of November, labor force contracted. It fell by a little bit, but that was after a larger decline in October. And since March, because that's our comparison period, the labor force is essentially flat. So again, that's more like the household survey employment number than it is the establishment survey. And what it says is that despite the fact that 1.3 million Americans entered new 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 people coming of age have entered the labor force, there have been no jobs for them. But that has not impacted the unemployment rate because the participation problem rears its ugly head. In the household survey, as the labor force has not increased, that means that those people who have entered the population, the civilian institutional population, didn't actually enter the labor force. They just came of age and then said, we don't want a job. And we're supposed to believe that that's the case. And that's the sole reason why the unemployment rate is still at 3.7%. Because according to the BLS numbers, these people aren't joining the labor force, which is another red flag alarm bell. Because if the economy was doing fine, if the labor market was doing fine, people would be at least these new entrants would be entering the labor force, if not getting more people out of the who have been sitting on the sidelines, bringing them back in. So consistently top to bottom, people are not entering the labor force. They're not saying they have jobs. And it looks like full time, part time hours work. All these things are continuing to soften. So if I'm Jay Powell, and I'm somebody if I'm somebody on the FOMC, I'm sweating right now. I'm really sweating right now because the amount of data that suggests the economy's fine is dwindling by the week and by the month. 
Yeah, and this is a problem, Jeff, because he's been talking up rates and he's almost put himself in a box here that he's got to do something in December because if he comes out, you know, and I want to remind people, he said he wanted to do, you know, effectively another 75 basis points at the last press conference. I mean, he really wanted more. He softened down to 50. The Fed Fund's futures are saying that could be optimistic and maybe 25. But could you imagine the response we would have in two weeks if he says, hey, you know what? We got to go full pause here. I mean, that would literally just blow up because people are going to say, what does he know? He literally changed his mind that quickly. What's going on here? He can't do it. So he's got to tighten despite the, you know, the, the yield curve, the euro dollar futures curve. We got foreign bond yield. Everything's getting inverted and more inverted by the day telling him. And we know he knows. And this is the worst part. If we could pull him aside and say, look, off the record, do you know what's going on? I'm sure he'd say he does, but he boxed himself in a corner. He's got to hike in December and then pray that this thing doesn't blow up before the next meeting. Well, let's 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 leave it in that. Let's, let's talk about one final thing, which is the inversions. The inversions, as you said, I mean, they've gotten just absolutely ridiculous and insane. I mean, we're in historic territory with some of this, not quite unprecedented like Germany, but still historic territory. And what that means is, is the market is saying interest rates are going lower. Now, as you said, Steve, Powell came out of his press conference and said, no, rate hikes. And then Bullard and Wallard, they all echoed the same thing. And then last week at his remarks, I think it was Hoover Institute, he kind of said, well, maybe not. It was interpreted as dovish. So he's already changing his, his behavior, always changing his, his, uh, his interpretation what in his forecasting. And the market is... And the market is saying, no crap, <laughs> you're only coming around to the position that we've been more and more confident in. We're so confident in this prediction that uh, the yield curve and the euro dollar futures and all these other curves are so unbelievably inverted that the chances of anything other than rate cuts and maybe an aggressive serious rate cuts, that dwindles by the month and by the data point too. So the inversions are, as usual, predicting where policymakers are going to end up rather than the other way around, which is how everybody sees it, right? You got it, Jeff. And this is where we look at the, the stock market and the bond market. Obviously, the bond market's reacting to the fact that they know, they've known for a while that he made a mistake. The stock market, on the other hand, is saying he's trapped. He is totally screwed here and he's going to have to cut and that's going to bring liquidity. At least that's what the market always hopes for. Flood of liquidity, stocks go higher. And that's what I think people are struggling with right now is how can the economic data dwindle lower and stocks go up? It's simple. They literally think he's making, well, he is making a big mistake, but they think it's to their favor. We know that never is how it works, but it can work for a very short period of time. Yeah, in the short run. All bets are off, as always, and it's always difficult to tell any and uh, predict. Forget it. I mean, the short run's impossible. But you're right. In the near term, we're into this love affair with the Fed pause and maybe pivot, and we'll see how that plays out. And I think, you know, um, I think you, did you agree with me? We look at the payroll report. It is the labor data. The labor market in, in, is an important part of our economic interpretation. And this was not a good payroll report. Up top to bottom, it was really it was really concerning. It wasn't the worst. It didn't say that we're in you know late 2008 all over again, but it continues to point in that sort of direction. It continues to point to an economy that's really struggling here, and that is why and that's what's important to me about the changing interpretation of 
these policymakers is because, as you said, Steve, they kind of can see it coming too. And if they can see it coming, what does that really mean? Well, I think we should end it right there, Jeff, because we'll have to continue our investigation into the monetary mishaps of the Federal Reserve in a future show. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks as always. We'll see you again next week. All right. My pleasure. Take care, Jeff.